Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. God's grace abounds for you right now. I have a message this this morning for you. This is actually Palm Sunday. And uh, I used to not really get too worried about uh, holidays, but it is important for us to remember. It's not just to remember a story. It's not just to remember what Jesus did. It's how it affects our lives and the lives of other people. And uh, I'm... I'm a firm believer that if it doesn't help me now, what good is it? So the reality is that even the Palm Sunday story is something that affects my life, and it'll affect your life too. And so uh, I'd like to read the scriptures from Matthew chapter 21. It says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples You know, even at that time, God needed people. And so, you know what? Even now, today, God needs people. And so, uh, he, you know, we think, well, God's going to do this and God's going to do that. Well, yeah, he's going to do it as soon as he can get us activated. But he goes on to say, saying unto them, go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately they will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, or humble. And sitting on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded. And they brought the donkey and the colt, and they laid their clothes on them and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the ground, and others cut down branches from from the trees and spread them uh, on the road. The multitude who went before those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, the son, uh, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So, so the multitude said, This is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all uh, and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the money tables uh, of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves 
and he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But the chief priest and the scribes saw the wondrous things he did, and the children crying out in the temple, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were, but they were indignant. And he said, uh, and said to him, Do you not hear what these are saying? In another passage, it says, Teacher, tell your disciples to stop. But Jesus said to them, Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and infants you have perfected praise? Just want to make a few comments with this one thing, Jesus is fulfilling a prophecy from Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. He is, uh, it was prophesied that the Messiah was going to come into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. Do you know that uh, a donkey is a better ride than a horse? And so a lot of times kings would ride donkeys because it was, uh, uh, it was a more comfortable ride. And did you notice also that when Jesus got into the temple, the first thing he did was he cleansed it. Now, what part did he cleanse? He didn't have to go into the Holy of Holies and cleanse that. He didn't have to go into the holy place and cleanse that where the showbread and the, and the lamp was. The place that he, there was a section of the temple call, uh, that, was, that was set apart for where even the Gentiles could come into. But at that, at that point, they had removed that and they, and they brought in uh, sacrifices so that the people could come and buy. And what was also happening there is they were cheating the people and charging uh, exorbitant prices. They would even, if they had Roman money, they even charged them more. So Jesus decided he comes into the temple and he says, he says, this is my father's house. This is not for selling and buying. This house is for prayer. This house is set apart for the worship of God. And so Jesus began to drive out the money changers. He began to drive out those who were selling. And you know what? That even today, Jesus will come and cleanse this temple. You, know, you say, well, where's this temple? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying you're dirty, but the reality is if we've allowed things into our lives that have, that have put a barrier between us and the Heavenly Father, then, the, then God is going to make sure that that stuff is driven out, uh, driven out away from us. But the next thing he did after he cleansed the temple, what, did, what does Jesus do? He starts ministering to the sick. Jesus always has time for the sick. And I'll probably say this again, but the reality is, is that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How, whatever Jesus did then, he'll do now. And uh, not only that, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So whatever, the, whatever Jesus did, that's the same heart, that's the same reality that... Um, that the Father has. Whatever Jesus did, that's what the Father's like. And so, but the religious leaders, they come in and they say, they don't like this. 
They don't like the attention taken away from them. They don't like the they don't like the uh, the money changers being driven out because actually the priests were the ones that were making the profit. It was actually the high priest, but I don't want to get into that. But Jesus, uh, when when Jesus is confronted by the high priest, Jesus says here. He says, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have perfected praise? Well, that's taken from, uh, not Proverbs, it's taken from, from Psalms chapter 8. He says, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. So once our temple is cleansed out, then we have a greater heart to want to worship and to want to praise God. And what does that do? That silences the enemy. That silences those thoughts that keep coming into your mind to tell you that you're not saved, to tell you that you're not wanted, to tell you that that you're not accepted by God, to tell you that God's not going to do it for you. But the reality is, is once we get those get those things cleansed from us, the reality is is that God is going to uh, start revealing to you what he's already promised. And as we start to lift up our praise, as we begin to worship and to thank God, then, then we begin to silence the enemy. Why? Because praise brings, not only, praise brings strength to us. Praise does not really... Uh, affect God at all. Praise is really for us. Worship is really for us. It just gets us into a place where we are able to receive from the Lord. So as we worship and as we praise, we receive strength. And as we receive that strength, then we're able to silence the enemy. Well, there's a lot of ways we can silence the enemy. I'm not going to talk about those today. Maybe we'll do it at another time. But if, it's silent, if praise silences the enemy, then let me say one thing. Praise on, praise on. Another thing is praising. We need to praise and we need to push. We need to praise and we need to push. When we start praising, we're pushing out the darkness. When we start praising, we're bringing in the light because the Bible says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So as we praise him, the light is made manifest that it starts to push out the darkness. Well, Jesus, again, was fulfilling the words of the prophet. You know, the people were waiting for the Messiah to come. But they were waiting for the Messiah to come so that they could be freed from the Romans. You know, I just want to uh, tell you that they had a wrong expectation. And you know, a lot of times we have wrong expectations. God wants to do more for you than what you're expecting. But they were expecting, they were believing God, they were standing on the words of the prophets and as I told you, Jesus was fulfilling Zechariah 9.9 where he came in on the donkey. And uh, their expectation, they had a great expectation. They knew that the Messiah was going to deliver them. But they thought that Jesus was going to deliver them from the Romans. But Jesus had a bigger enemy to deliver them from than the Romans. You know, a lot of times we... 
we look at symptoms and we think that's our problem. The reality is symptoms is never our problems. There's always a root to the problem, and that's what Jesus is going after. <laughs> and so, you know, oh man, isn't he going to take this pain away? Yeah, he's going to take it away once he gets to the root. And as we worship and praise him, he's going to start to reveal what the root is. And then we just confess it. We, uh, we renounce it, we forsake it, and God cleanses us and delivers us. In the name of Jesus, can you say amen? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the three. <laughs> anyway, God is good. You know, this is a time, I just want to take a moment right now. This is really a time, you know, some people are, uh, we're all closed in, you know, and uh, we're supposed to stay home. I know some of you don't. We're supposed to stay home. And um, some of us are doing various things. I remember hearing a story yesterday. There was a man who woke up in the middle of the night. And his wife was interceding. She was in her sleep. But she was interceding for one of the characters on Downton Abbey. So what actually was happening there is they were binge-watching on Downton Abbey. And there's, there's nothing wrong with Downton Abbey. I, I watched it myself. I liked it, all that. But the reality is, is now's not the time to be binge-watching, you know, on things. If you want to watch TV, that's okay. I've been watching TV. I watch one. I've dedicated myself to watch one Christian movie a night, you know, and... They're not always scriptural, but the reality is, is we need to take this time. We need to, you don't have to do it the whole 24 hours, but you can take this time to set apart yourself for prayer. Set apart yourself to hear God because God wants to speak to you. You know, uh, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. So why not, you know, invite him in with praise? That's just a side note. But God always has something greater to deliver you from than what you're expecting. But really, today's message is called Great Expectations. Expectation for the Christian is good if they're expecting in the right way. Sometimes we're expecting, if you're expecting the worst, then that's not good. If you're expecting sickness, that's not good. If you're expecting failure, that's not good. If you're expecting lack, that's not good because God has a promise for each one of those things I've mentioned and he will bring a greater thing than what you even are expecting. But we need to expect. We need to expect what God has promised. So anyway, uh, I want to share with you from the scripture, uh, Paul is rehearsing to a King Agrippa and Festus. The only Festus I ever knew was on Gunsmoke, but I did find a Festus in the Bible. Some of you might not even know what Gunsmoke is. It was a program everybody loved years and years ago. But anyway, you old people or you older people will remember. But anyway... Paul is rehearsing before uh, King Agrippa and Festus his, uh, his experience with Christ on the Damascus Road. And Paul is actually preaching 
uh, a sermon, but this is one section I wanted to bring out because it applies to what I'm saying today. And in Acts chapter 26, verse 17, it says, I will deliver you from the Jewish people. He's talking to Paul because he's going to be persecuted. He says, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as the Gentiles to whom I am now sending you. And this is what he says here. He, Jesus says to open their eyes, to turn, uh, in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. You see that this is more than just being delivered from the Romans. This is more than just being delivered by the perceived enemies that we have today. Because if Jesus didn't come to set us free from the powers of darkness, if he didn't come to set us free from, from the power of Satan, then he could, deliver, he could have delivered them from the Romans. But the reality is that they would still have been slaves because their slavery was on the inside of them. But Jesus has come to set the people free from the inside. You say, well, I'm saved. You know, do you, are, you, are you constantly tormented? Are you addicted? Are you filled with fear and anxiety? Yes, you might be saved, but there is a point where God wants to set you free from everything that's binding you up. And so Jesus said, I've come to open their eyes. The first thing we need to do, you know, there's a lot of Christians that are blind. There's a lot of Christians, they, they won't open the word, they won't, op they won't pray, they won't open their ears to hear. They just think, well, God's already taken care of me, and whatever he, whatever he wants, I'm going to get. No, the Bible says that we have to stand in faith, for without faith it's impossible to please him. And how do we get faith? It's not hard to get faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So the reality is, he says, I want to open your eyes to turn them from darkness to light. You know, once he, once he opens your eyes and you start to see the light, then you need to turn from the darkness. It's not just enough for God to shine the light. We have to turn. We have to turn towards the light. And he says, and from the power of Satan, from the power of Satan to Take us to the power of God. There's a scripture that I love. It's in uh, first, uh, first Thess no, it's uh, Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. It says that he has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us or transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Do you know... You're, if, you're still, if you still feel like you're in darkness, if you still feel like you're in jail, walk out of the jail cell because the door's already open. The door is already open. I don't want to go into great detail on this because most, most of Giving Lights heard it, but I was in jail one time when I was 18. Uh, I, I did that one time when my uh, grandson was in, was in the service. He said, what were you in jail for? Well, anyway, it was, it, was a, it was a minor thing, but enough to get put in jail. $100 fine. But anyway, you know, they, I was in jail, but they came and opened the door. But, you know, it was my responsibility to walk out. 
The door is open. The blood of Jesus has set you free. Now it's time to walk out. Now it's time to turn away from the darkness. Now it's time to open our eyes. Now it's time for us to see what God's done for us so that we can go towards the light and be free. He says that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance. You're not just forgiven. Inheritance for what? You are a joint heir with Christ. So whatever Christ inherits, you are a part of that inheritance. I don't think Jesus got a a cheap inheritance. I don't think Jesus just got a little bit. He got all of heaven. He got everything. As a matter of fact, I believe he got everything that's in the universe because he created the universe and he has received it back. And so we are a part of that inheritance. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I just want to share with you uh, a couple of of instances in the scripture, more than a couple, several that would be, of people that had great expectations But let me just say this, expectation stirs motivation. Expectation stirs motivation. If you have bad expectations, you'll be stirred to the bad. If you have have an expectation that it's all falling apart, your your expectation is going to stir you to fear and doing nothing. But if you have an expectation that we're going to come through this and God's still on the throne and God is still in control and God is going to take you through and God is going to restore to you, even give you more than what you had before, then it's going to stir you and motivate you to action. The first thing would be, thank you, Jesus. Then it would be praise. Then it would be giving thanks. Then it would be continuing to believe and walk out and being ready, looking for the opportunities that God has for you. You know, God's not just here just just to take care of us. God's here because not not only do we have an inheritance, but he has an inheritance. What inheritance does he have? You are his inheritance. You're his inheritance. And he wants to take his inheritance and he wants to create a family business. What a family business. He wants us in the business of doing what he did. Hallelujah. Somebody say something. Amen. Well, the Magi... The Magi, they had an expectation. They had read a scripture. Actually, Balaam had said it in in Numbers. He said that there was a star that was going to rise out of Jacob. And so the Magi read that. They had an expectation. The star came. They began to look. They looked for it. They saw it. And, you know, they traveled over uh, either, either 400 to 700 miles on camels. 400 to 700 miles. I would say they were motivated. They were motivated to find the king of kings. They came to Jerusalem and said, we have come here to worship to worship the king of the Jews. But you know, nobody in Jerusalem was prepared for that. Not the priest, not the king, not King Herod, who was a Gentile anyway. Not the people. The Bible says that all Jerusalem was stirred up. They were kind of shocked at what was going on. But the, but the Magi, 
they had expectation and their expectation motivated them. There's a couple of others I want to mention. Uh, I'm actually, they're so good, I just have to read the scripture. But it's Simeon. Simeon, this is back when Jesus had already uh, been born. And eight days after his birth, I thought about this for a moment. Hey, they didn't leave that night and go to Egypt. But eight days after Jesus was born, they took him to the temple to be circumcised. And there was a man there by the name of Simeon. And, and if you want to look it up, it's uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 25. It says, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the man was just and devout, waiting for. What did he have? He had expectation. He was waiting for what? The consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Hallelujah. Do you know what? The, the best thing that you can have on you is not your cologne. It's not your aftershave. It's not your perfume. The best thing you can have on you is the Holy Spirit. Because Simeon had the Holy Spirit on him. And the Bible says, and it had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. He would not see death until he saw the Messiah. Simeon wanted to die. Simeon was ready to go, but he's waiting for the Messiah. And here come Mary and Joseph in. They have the babe. They have Jesus uh, Mary's carrying him in her arms, and the Spirit said to Simeon, he says, there's the Messiah. You know what? Every, a lot of the people that, of that day were looking for a Messiah to come fully grown on a horse to drive out the Romans. But God, but God says, I send the weak things of the world to confound the wise. God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the mighty. He uses the uneducated to bring to naught the educated. Now, I'm not against education, by the way. But the reality is, is the world has got this idea of what power is. And God says, I'm going to show you power through my weakness. You might say, well, pastor, I'm weak. Well, then you're a candidate. You are a candidate for the power of God to be working in your lives. I was a man that uh, I was a kid. I stuttered. I stuttered, I stammered, I wouldn't talk to people unless they talked to me, unless, unless I got to be friends that, that I could communicate. But if there was anything that, re, that brought fear to me, then I began to withdraw. I had a neighbor across the street, you know, he had, a, he had 15 kids. You know, he had to be a guy of love, I guess. <laughs> the, and, and his kids adored him. But I'll tell you what, every time he drove home, I, I saw him, I ran away. Why? Because I had an expectation of fear, and fear crippled me. But you know what? Years later, he was the very guy that helped me to stop stuttering. He was the very guy. You know, the people that you run away from might be the people that God sent to help you. Can I get an amen? Thank you, Jesus. Well, not only that, Simeon prophesied over it, and he prophesied to Mary. There's a couple of others. There's Anna. She actually came right up after Simeon, and uh, she, uh, I'm not, she was, the Bible just says she was an old woman. 
So that just tells me she was another woman that wouldn't tell her age. <laughs> but anyway, the Bible said she was an old woman and she was waiting. She had a great expectation. She was also waiting for the Messiah to come. And the Bible says, uh, and coming in in that instance, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him, him Jesus, to all those who looked for the redemption of Israel or look for redemption in Jerusalem. So in other words, there was a whole lot of people there there were that were expecting. You know, it makes me wonder if that's why Christ came at that time because there was a great expectation of all the people. It wasn't just them. It wasn't just, well, it's time to go now. I guess you better go, Jesus. No, it was time because there was a great expectation. Great expectation. Thank you, Jesus. Let me just tell you this, that God always has something better for you than what you expect. And I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. Usually this is taken or read at funerals. It's okay. But the reality is, is once I read the context of the scripture, I found out that this is for the living. This is for us now. It says in 1 Corinthians uh, 2, 9, it says, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Well, pastor, this is just not revealed yet. Well, let's keep reading. It says here, it says, But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. Well, how about that? They're not hidden anymore. They're not kept... They're not kept out of our sight. God's revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. Now we have not received the spirit of the world. What kind of spirit have we received? We received the spirit of, we have received the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. Say that with me, freely given to us by God. So in other words, God is giving them freely. It's not something that we have to try to twist God's arm. It's not something that we, if we just pray enough, then eventually God's going to get willing enough. No, God wants to give it now. As a matter of fact, when Daniel was praying, he prayed 21 days, but, the, but when the angel arrived, he said, you know that when you started praying immediately, I was sent. There was another man in Acts chapter 3. Peter and John were going, were going to the temple. They were going at the hour of prayer. And there was a man that was lame from his mother's womb. He was lame from birth. He couldn't walk. He was crippled from his mother's womb, from, from child, uh, from birth. And Peter, and as a matter of fact, Jesus probably walked by this same man. But you know, Jesus didn't want he Jesus wanted to give us an opportunity too. Uh, think about that for a moment. But the man saw Peter and John. He's there, he's seated, and he's got a and he's got a cup, and he is asking for people to give him money. He's asking for alms. And he says, Who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple? He asked for alms. And fixing his, and Peter and John fixing 
his, uh, his eyes on him, Peter and John said, look at us. Look at it. Some of us say, well, don't look at me, look at Jesus. Well, where's Jesus at anyway? Well, he's up in heaven. No, the Bible says he's, he's in you. He's in you. Jesus said, if you keep my commandments, my Father and I will come and make our abode in you. And not only that, but the Holy Spirit says, I'll come in too, and we'll just make you the temple of the Holy Spirit. So Peter said, look on us. So he gave them attention, expecting to receive something from them. Expectation is great because expectation and faith go together. He was expecting to receive money. But again, God's got something better for you than what you're expecting. So what is, so Peter says, so Peter says, look at us. He looked at them expecting to receive, and Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Now, if we look back at that for a moment, do you think he would rather have a quarter, or do you think he'd rather have his legs? John Osteen was preaching to us. I was still in Bible school. That was over 40 years ago. I couldn't believe it, thinking about that. 40 years ago, John Osteen told us, he said, he's reading about that. He said, the man asked for alms and he got legs. Think about that. God's always got something better for us. Well, I think these, are you guys looking at me like I need to quit? Uh, Anyway. (laughs) All right. So anyway, in Matthew chapter nine and verse 20, there was a woman with an issue of blood. She she had heard of Jesus. She needed. She had been bleeding. She had been bleeding for twelve years, but she said within herself, "If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole." She had an expectation that if I touch Jesus's garment, I'm going to be made whole. What are you expecting? What are you expecting? Well, she went and she touched him. And Jesus turned about and said to her, he saw her and said to her, daughter, be of good comfort. Your faith or your expectation, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. What are you expecting? Are you expecting the worst? Are you expecting more? Well, you know, I heard this preacher say this and I heard this preacher say this. Well, I'm going to talk about that in a few moments. But the reality is, is where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no expectation, the people perish. What am I talking about? Well, do you have a vision for defeat? Do you have a vision for disaster? Or are you listening to God? Are you reading his word? Are you in prayer? And he's talking to you. He gives you a vision that you're going to make it. We used to sing a song, we're going to make it in a grand and glorious style, winning every victory, passing every trial. By our risen Savior and the power of his word, we're going to make it in a grand and glorious style. And then we just repeated that over and over and over again. That was back in 79. Thank you, Jesus. Some of them look around like, 
I never sang that song. No, because I sang it when I was still in my 20s. Hallelujah. Anyway, Paul said, I, Paul had a great expectation. He says, I fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, from now on, ahead of me, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not only, not me only, but unto all those who love his appearing. You're going to receive a crown of righteousness if you are loving his, his appearing, if you're expecting G, Jesus to come back. You know, that's something to look forward to. I don't have to have him come back today, but I am looking for him to come back because Jesus said to occupy till I come. In other words, take what I have, take what I have, uh, I bought with my blood and with my body, take and take that back for me. Thank you, Jesus. So do you love his appearing? I'm sure you do. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to me for this long. There's another, there's a couple of more scriptures, which I'm not going to do. They're actually really good. But Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 11, he says, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Do you know that we can hurry up Jesus coming back? You say, well, that's all in God's hands. You know, Jesus was walking down the road and people would grab him. He was on a mission and people would grab him and he would, they would grab his attention and get him to do things for them. Jesus said, uh, the scripture says here that you can, if you're looking for, you can hasten the day. What's that mean? Hurry up. You can hurry up God's return. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Well, I'm just gonna I'm just going to uh, move on. We're gonna we're gonna have uh, communion today. We're gonna celebrate the Lord's Supper. But before we do, I just want to give you a a thought that I had, and it's it's about the current times. It's it says the state, and and this is also of when Jesus walked the earth. The state of the nation did not stop the compassion and mercy of God through Jesus. There was corruption. There was abuse. There was uh, the tyranny of the Romans. There was theft. There was, you know, you think we have it bad now. Really, those days were terrible. But the state of the nation did not stop the compassion and mercy of God through Jesus. And the state of the nation is not going to stop the compassion and mercy of God today. Today. The Bible says in Jude, it says, keep looking for the mercy of God. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So... If you, uh, if you want to take communion with us, I hope that you, well, you can go get, um, you can go get the elements, or if you already have them, we're, we're going to take, take them. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Do you know, uh, 
I was listening to a message, and I heard just, you know, sometimes you can listen to a message and get one word, and it's worth the whole message. You can get, uh, my daughter gave me a book one time, and the title of the book was worth more than the book itself. All it takes is one word to make you free. But you know what? God places a premium on eating, on eating. Jesus said, unless you eat my, uh, eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. And really, the communion is what he's talking about. He wasn't literally talking about eating his fingers and toes and stuff like that. He was talking about, he was talking about identifying with him and becoming one with him. So as we eat of the communion, we are identifying with Christ. We're crucified with Christ. We died with Christ. We're buried with Christ. We're raised with Christ. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. But just to give you another thought on that, what was it that got us in all the problem in the first place? It was two people eating. Two people eating. They ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which God said, don't eat it, because when you do, you'll surely die. They had the whole garden to eat, and God said, this is mine. So really, God wasn't being mean. He was just giving them an opportunity to prove their love and obedience to him. So we're going to partake of the, Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you. You say, well, that's a cracker. But you know, there's a lot of things we do prophetically. If Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you, that I'm going to take it, that he knows what he's saying. And not only is he talking about the body of his own flesh, he's talking about the body of Christ on the earth. Are we giving honor to our brothers and sisters? Are we criticizing them? Are we talking about them? You know, I, I saw a preacher do something the other day, and, and people were talking about it. I am not going to criticize that guy. I am not going to do it. The reality is, is that the body of Christ is Jesus, the body of, and we are a part of the body of Christ. So Jesus said, this is my body. Take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me. And Lord, we thank you that the body was broken for us. And because of that, by his stripes, we are healed. And we take the cup, Lord Jesus, and we thank you. You said, this is my blood, the cup of the new covenant. Lord, we thank you that it was your blood that set us free. And it's your blood that continues to set us free. It's your blood that gives us power. It's your blood that causes us to draw near to God because without it, we couldn't be near you. So we give you thanks. We give you praise. We give you honor and glory. And we reverently drink of the cup in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just pray over your people today. I thank you, Lord, that they are a part of the body of Christ. 
and members in particular. They have a they have a specific they're a specific part of the body of Christ. And Lord, you want you've anointed them, you want to use them, you want to empower them. So I just speak grace and peace and life over them. And I speak a conquering spirit, the spirit of the Lord rising up on the inside of you, the line of the tribe of Judah to conquer all your enemies in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.